The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, and uh, I've titled this The Invisible War. And so for the bridge, we're going to be doing a whole series on our mind and just looking at all sorts of different ways that God works and cultivates our minds and, uh, and guards our minds and protects our minds and restores our minds. And so tonight, uh, this has just been what, something I've been really passionate about and being fed in the Lord by for, for months now. And really, it's been on my mind for years. Uh, my mind has been on my mind for years. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm excited to, um, to share this with you guys so turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, and uh, we'll read a couple verses real quick here. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would speak tonight to this gathering of people who recognize your goodness, who recognize that you are a father who is with us, who cares for us, who draws us in. And so, Lord God, we lean in. We lean in to hear what you have to say, Lord, with expectation of your goodness for us. We want to receive all that it is. God, we love you so much. You are such a good, good father. So we pray you'd bless this night. Let it resound in our hearts and our minds. Let it resound beyond this night of, of your truths of your care, of your concern, and of your blessings and fruit for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you're a parent, the chances are you have dealt with at least one, most likely many, many incredible tantrums, right? Melting down, falling to the floor, legs are jello, maybe even removing a shirt and some shoes and socks in the middle of the cereal aisle where you said no to a certain cereal, right? You've dealt with some wicked tantrums. And you've, you've, if you were not in a mood to be lazy, if you weren't like, you know, I've done it, you know, you're like, fine, 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 brown sugar Pop-Tarts, let's go, right? But if you, if you weren't in the mood, if you were ready to properly, you know, you get down on their level. That's the first thing, right? You get down on one knee, and you kind of look them in the eyes, you go, buddy, buddy, come on now, okay? You know, you tell them like where this is going. If this keeps going like this, you're, you know, this isn't going to be good. You're going to be losing something. You know, you try and reason with them, even though they're not reasonable. And then, you know, the next step is, you know, if that doesn't work, you leave your full grocery store cart there in the aisle. You take them outside, you know, because 
they were making a lot of noise. And, and you just get to the spot where it's really for you that you're outside. It's to where you can really focus because inside you're just thinking, who's watching and where, where are they going to say? You know? And so you get outside and you kind of try and calm them down again. And then maybe you just, you know, at first it's an empty thread. You're like, okay, we're getting in the car. We're going home. But then, you know, you actually have to turn the car on because it doesn't stop. The tantrum doesn't stop. And you get them home. And after a nap, you wake up. And then you decide to deal with them, you know, you know, we're going to have a conversation, you know, which I, guys, I've tried so many times to reason with two and three year olds. My kids are older now, but uh, now it just seems so silly how many times I just tried to tell them the logic. Uh, but, you know, and you deal with it, right? And then, and then whatever the outcome is, the punishment, whatever there is, okay? And so we know how to deal with the tantrums of a toddler, we know how to deal with these tantrums. And yet, what we look at tonight is how so often we don't deal with the tantrums of our own minds. That, that we tend to let our minds run amok. We let our minds take their shoes off in the grocery store, pick the Captain Crunch off right off the shelf, open it up, and just shove handfuls. That's what we let our minds do, right? We, we tend to let our minds run out of control. And tonight, we look at how maybe at times our minds just need a little time out. They need to be sat down outside the grocery store, and we're not going back in until you calm down. No, but uh, our minds, that's, that's what this text is. And so we look at tonight our minds and the invisible war over, over letting thoughts run out of control, over letting fears, over anxiety, over compulsions that lead us to bad habits, where those lives and roots of those things come from, and how God wants to reorient them. He wants to uproot them. He wants to, to dig new trenches towards better habits and better patterns by taking every thought into captivity. And so we begin there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where we just read, I want to read those two verses of those again. And this time I'm going to read in the message and we'll break it down. It says, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. So some of the things that come into our mind are from outside. They're warped philosophies, things that we have bought into, concepts and ways of life that we have adopted and chosen to believe by tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of the life shaped by Christ. Taking all of our thoughts, every single thing that we're compelled to do, every single motivation, everything that we look at, and we want to shape it into the structure of a life that is shaped like Christ. And it says our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. And what it says as we look at this is it says for tearing down strongholds. Now, Paul grew up in a land where there were some strongholds, right? Literal structures. And what's a stronghold? A stronghold is a piece of land that's probably advantageously situated for battling enemies, for either offensive or defensive fighting. Most likely, they've then built a structure on it. And it's that thing when you're building a, 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 an attack plan, you, you have to think first about the stronghold. You have to think that we're probably going to lose extra men. We're probably going to have to come up with a special strategy as we approach this stronghold. And what he says here is that our God is working with powers beyond our own capabilities. This isn't self-help. He's working with his spirit 
power for tearing down strongholds. And in this instance, what he gets to is it's all about our mind. It's the things we've chosen to believe. It's the lies that we've been told. It's the, it's the, the things that have been spoken to us that we've allowed to take residence within us. And so these strongholds, it, it, it's not the outward enemy at this point. It's the way in which the enemy has been allowed to take up residence in us and establish things in us. And so as God begins to do a powerful work and he uses his, his powerful spirit, it begins within us in tearing down strongholds and filling in the ruts and removing the lies that have developed into patterns of thought, patterns of anger, patterns of anxiety, and, and building us up so that we can go out with his powerful spirit and tear down the enemy strongholds out there. And so he says in this text that, that he has given us these God tools for smashing these warped philosophies, these things that have caused us to look at ourselves incorrectly. Because so often, God is looking to correct our mindset, correct our way of looking. It's throughout Scripture. Our mind is constantly referenced throughout Scripture. I heard one commentator talk about uh, Paul as the mindologist because he was just so constantly addressing our mind. And so here, as we begin, it starts with taking every thought captive. And what I've loved to say about this verse for a while is that it's this idea of we have to take our thoughts captive or else our thoughts will take us captive, that they will imprison us. Uh, I mean, we've seen it quite literally, people who are unable to leave their house because of anxiety or fear, people who are unable to go out of the house unless they are dressed just to their best because of who's going to see them, or, or people who are unable to, to get past a certain roadblock in relationships because we've allowed thoughts to imprison us. And so what, what this says is we, need, we have been given power for breaking those strongholds and that we have been given power to to break free from that so that we don't allow any of those things to captivate us. That, that instead, we put those thoughts into captivity. We reject them. We, in this instance, we discipline ourselves. We guard ourselves. We, we put up a fight against these things. And so Paul, in this text, he, he describes us waging warfare. And so the first thing that we have to begin with, though, is the stuff that we've allowed to take residence. And so uh, I like to call this, uh, it's a term that I like, and I'll, I'll break it out, uh, break down in a second. But, but we have to deal with our unreliable narrator from within, okay? Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 says, the heart is hopefully dark, hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. That God's desire is to get down into the nitty gritty. And the problem is that for so many of us, uh, we don't recognize that it begins here. We seek to deal with the surface issues, right? It's like with raising a kid. Uh, th th those who've been in it for a while, at first you deal with the tantrums, 
then you eventually realize you need to get to the root cause of the tantrum, right? And for so many of us as believers, we try and curb our outward uh, obedience, our outward actions, right? We try and deal with, you know, our lies. We try and deal with our outward selfishness, our outward pride, the things that we're doing out here, when really what God calls us to do is we need to begin by breaking down the strongholds that lead us to constantly being so concerned about what people think of us, so concerned about our safety or our provision. We need to deal with the things that cause those. We need to go down to the root of the issue because God says that our hearts and our minds, I mean, here, he says, are hopelessly dark. And there's many other texts. In Deuteronomy 28, it says our minds are, are confused. In Job 17, it says we're anxious and closed off. In Ecclesiastes 2, it says that we are evil and restless in our minds. In many other texts, it says we have troubled minds, depraved minds, dull minds, corrupt minds, broken by sin. And so what we have to realize is that we can't believe everything our minds tell us. You can't believe everything your mind tells you. Because a lot of times we think it originated within us. And maybe some of us, I used to have an issue with lying when I was younger. Uh, my dad's here. He could tell you that's true. And, uh, and I would come up with all sorts of stories. And so at that time, I could tell, okay, I know what's coming out of my mouth isn't true, but they don't, right? But I don't have the same ability to tell that what I am telling myself is true. Because for some reason, I'm thinking like, well, I don't think this is untrue. I don't think I'm lying to myself. I think this is true. But what we find is we are unreliable narrators. And so this is a term. I love fictions. I love classic fictions. I love all sorts of fictions. Uh, Pastor Daniel and I actually started a book club uh, here at the church uh, with some of the staff members, and we're on our 20th book. Uh, we started it about two years ago. And, uh, and one of the things that I love, one of my favorite kind of genres of book is, books is first-person narratives, where the, where the uh, main character is telling you the whole story from their perspective, right? That they're the ones kind of narrating everything that goes on. And so within first-person narratives, you have two categories. You have a reliable narrator, someone who accurately tells you everything that's happening in their world and around them, and they kind of properly understand what's taking place. And then you have this other category called unreliable narrators. Now, an unreliable narrator can be someone who sees it just uh, kind of incorrectly because like Scout and Catcher in the Rye, they're nine years old. Or it can be someone who, uh, I forget the main character from, uh, did I say Catcher in the Rye? That one was To Kill a Mockingbird. The main character from Catcher in the Rye was just this incredible narcissist. And so everything in that book is, is explained through this unreliable narrator who is just an incredible narcissist. And then you have, uh, there's this book we read recently that was called, um, what was it called? The Incident of the Dog in the Night, something like that. And, uh, and that, that narrator had Asperger's. And so there was some things, kind of gaps in the narration there. And, and what I realized is, is we are essentially unreliable narrators to ourselves. That we have this propensity for viewing the world through a skewed manner, through the way in which we've been brought up, through the lies that we have uh, swallow that we, we tell ourselves, we, we observe things incorrectly. It's why when you have a, a scene of an accident, someone can show up and, and you can have four different stories, even if all people were, all the people there had been looking right at what happened, they, 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 they processed it differently. They have essentially a different lens for looking at what took place. And so we essentially are, 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 are that. We're, we're people who have, who have, processed our own lives, processed the world, and we've allowed things to, to get warped along the way. 
And so what God seeks to do is he seeks to correct that. He seeks to align us. He seeks to deal with this battle for our minds. And so what we need to begin with, as he says, that we take down these strongholds within, is we begin with those lies. We begin with the areas where we've allowed ourselves to be uh, just kind of thrown off, uh, to, to perceive things incorrectly, to process things incorrectly. We look to our lies. And so for me, I'll just use myself as an example. I were, there's one main lie that sticks out to me from my youth. Uh, I don't want to deal with the lies that I'm dealing with right now. Those are a little too personal. So I'll go back to when I was younger. Uh, and uh, I had, when I was little, uh, a speech impediment. And, uh, and uh, I'll tell you this, only if you promise to not co all come up and make me show you afterwards. But my tongue is attached all the way to the tip. And uh, the doctors never noticed it. They should have checked it when I was born. My speech therapist should have checked it. They never checked it. I didn't know until I was 17 that my tongue is attached all the way to the tip. So I couldn't speak correctly. So I went through speech therapy all the way through fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, somewhere in there. And, uh, and because of that, I was pulled out of class a lot. And this is kind of my own working theory. You know how you kind of analyze your life? You look back, you kind of come up with a working theory. This is my working theory. Uh, I think I fell behind in English. Maybe I just fell behind because I wasn't good at English. But I think I fell behind in English because I was pulled out of that class for speech therapy a lot. And by the time I got to middle school, I was in this really remedial English class. And I just remember back to this one day, looking around this English class. And this just, I'm being honest with you guys, I looked around the class and I didn't think the other people in the class were very intelligent. And it hit me, if I'm in a class with all of these people, then am I, there's something off with me. And, and it's, it's funny, but you know, that's pretty self-receptive for a sixth grader, seventh grader, whatever I was. But, uh, but that's when it sunk in. That's when this kind of lie sunk in was I just decided right then and there that I'm, I was stupid. Like, I wasn't smart enough. Like, obviously, I'm in this class. I'm, I'm one of these people, you know? And I was being very judgy, but I was also judging myself. And, and so I allowed this lie to take root within me. And this lie, that, that was its origin, but it, it continued all the way through most of my high school years to where it, I think it literally affected my effort. I mean, yes, I was lazy, but also I would not even try on things because I just, I'm not smart. That was just my conclusion I came to, was I'm not smart enough, I'm not gonna be able to do it, and I just had this perception, and then it was self-fulfilling, because then my grades were bad, I'm just see, I'm really dumb, you know? And, and it was this thing that I had, and it just wasn't, and so I had, I had swallowed this lie, and I had believed this lie, and it wasn't until later that God started to, to reveal to me that, that, that wasn't the case, that, that I wasn't as dumb as I thought I was, that there was this, this thing that I had just decided was true of me and I had accepted. And so for us, you know, we, we see that something was said over us or something terrible happens to us. And it can be a wide variety of things, right? That for some of us, it's a parent saying some nasty things over us or friends just ridiculing, mocking us consistently with the same jokes. It can be that you've had some kind of health scare in your family and you've taken this thing that happened to, you know, a family member who you take after and you say, well, now that applies to me. And, 
and I think maybe, maybe I'll get that disease or I'll die young, right? Or that you, you see something financial, you know, for, for I, I heard about someone whose grandparents shared with them what happened in the Great Depression and shared all about her experience in the Great Depression. And then he kind of took that upon himself and, and had real financial uh, issues to deal with throughout his life because he was just so incredibly stingy because he was afraid because of these stories as a child he had shared with him about the Great Depression. So it can, it can be anything. It can be things that actually happen to us. It can be things that are shared with us. It can be perceived things that we kind of, for some reason, just latch onto and we allow them to build within us. And what then happens is they lead us down a path of, of them taking up a resonance within us. And so what we need to do is we essentially need to become spiritual Sherlock Holmes. We need to look at it. And, and what you can do is you can look at the outcomes. You know, you can look and say, am I constantly just being just incessantly frugal? You know, is there something where there's actually something here that maybe I need to deal with? There's a root issue, you know? You know, is there this anger that keeps coming up with, within me and maybe for something specific? And, and, and where is this coming from? What is this stemming from? And just seeking the Lord, and we'll talk about this more in a second, but, but we need to dig down because God wants to uproot those. He wants to curb those thoughts. He wants to rework us. And so what scripture says is he wants to transform our minds. And so Romans 12, 1 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul, here in Romans 12, because the first 11 chapters are all of God's goodness. And then here in the first verse, he says, to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, our proper worship. And then the way in which we we step into this holy and pleasing sacrifice, offering ourselves as a sacrifice, is he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. That if we're gonna be useful, if we're gonna go out, and like I said in that last section, if we're gonna tear down strongholds out there, we need to tear down strongholds in here. And so we need to be transformed. So he says, do not conform to this pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's not self-help. It's not pull yourselves up by the bootstraps. It's not put a rubber band on your wrist and pull it every time you're getting mad. It's God transforming us. It's his transforming power working within us. And guys, he designed every part of this. This is something I just constantly, that every single inch of us is designed by God. And so he wants to work within us. You know, and so uh, he wants to work within our brains. And, and so much of what we have developed is we've developed actual ruts in our brains. It's, it's what scientists call uh, our neural pathways. It's a spongy flesh that is allowed to develop ruts in our brains. And it leads from a, basically a collateral of thoughts. That, that we develop this lie, we receive this lie within us, and because we latch onto it, it just is something that it's constantly self-fulfilling, constantly leads from one thing to another. That every time just it peaks up within us, it leads to this response, to this response, to not being able to fall asleep that night, just an anxious 
knots within our stomach worry, right? Or it starts up with this comment from someone at work that reminds us of this feeling or brings out this old hurt. And it leads to this, and it leads to this, and it leads to us spending $2,000 on our credit card that night, buying clothes that kind of make us feel better, right? Uh, it, it starts with all these different things, and it brings about that thing that, that, that has developed with us. And literally, it's just, it's a pathway in our minds that has actually formed a physical path. And what God does is he wants to uproot that rut. He wants to dig it up, and he wants to develop something new. He wants to break that off. It's like Pavlov's dog, right? Except for instead of a bell, right? Pavlov had this theory with dogs where he'd ring a bell and he'd give them a treat. And he'd ring a bell and he'd give them a treat. And eventually he rang the bell and he wouldn't do anything. And they needed a treat because they'd been trained to want that. And for us, it's the little pricks. It's the little comments that are essentially a bell for us. And they result because of these pathways and us needing, wanting, running towards these these outcomes, these, these outworkings of our, our past pain or these lies that we've adopted. And so God wants to uproot those. He wants to transform our minds. I want to read that second verse of Romans again, again in a different translation. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is what he's saying. He wants to rework the way we process within our mind. He wants to dig those things up. And so what we need is instead of destructive ruts, we need spiritual trenches, right? So ruts are something that happen because of of just random weather in life. And that's what we can consider all of our past experiences that have caused us to have these things, is random weather that leads to unwanted ruts, right? That causes water to flow in ways that we never planned on and maybe leads to some little flooding or some little issues. And so we don't want the unwanted ruts. We want to instead come in with our spiritual shovels and we want to create spiritual trenches where we come to God and allow him to rework us, to rework our minds. And instead of having our thoughts run away from us, we take it into captivity and through the power of his word, through scripture, through, through memorization, through meditation, we, we rework it. We say that I'm not going to let these things lead to all of it. I'm going to tear down these strongholds. I'm going to discipline my mind. I'm going to take these thoughts captive, and I'm going to walk in all that God actually has for us. So trenches are intentionally dug. They're, they're purposeful. They lead to God's blessing and his, his working in our lives. And so what we need to do is we need to replace these lies with truth. We have to remove the roots, as Jeremiah talked about. We have, to, we have to pull them out. Uh, I remember as a child, we had uh, a, this backyard where we kept hacking away at a yucca tree over in the corner of our yard, and it would just grow back, and it was a beast. And I remember finally, I think my dad was waiting until we were old enough to actually be useful in helping get rid of this yucca tree. We got out there one summer, and we finally went way down deep, because if we just went at the top, the thing came back. Right? And that's what we always want to do is to discipline ourselves for the surface areas. We need to discipline ourselves for the roots and pull these things out, seeking the Lord, asking him to reveal them and uprooting them. And then we have to replace those with truth. And the truth is found in scripture. And we create truth uh, trenches 
by clearing out those uh, lies, by planting truths where they were, by memorizing scripture, like I said, by meditating. Meditating is a word that was adopted by uh, Eastern mysticism, by all sorts of other. We as Christians are called to meditate, to sit with scriptures, to let them come back to us again and again and again, to remind ourselves of them, to dig deep into them. You can get a little bit into studying with meditation. You can read them in different translations. You can, you can study them a little bit to go deeper on them. If there's a verse that God gives you to fight against the lies, that go and study it. Find out the real depth of the meaning in every little bit of it so that you can meditate on all that this verse is saying and allow it to take hold. And then discipline yourself to redirect, to build these trenches. For me, and that lie that I told you guys about earlier uh, of thinking that I was dumb and stupid and just not able to do uh, what my peers were doing uh, intellectually, uh, God gave me Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And for me, I felt a call to ministry when I was young. And, uh, and part of that was that reason that verse spoke to me was because I didn't feel smart enough to be in ministry. I thought, OK, well, maybe I'll just clean some toilets and, uh, and I'll, I'll do anything that needs to be done. And so as it says, for we are God's masterpiece, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. It just spoke to me. And then this is an obvious one for what I just said also. I've always loved 1 Corinthians 127 because it really comforts me in my, where, how I viewed myself. Is, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and, his, uh, and the things that are despised uh, to nullify the things that are great, to take down the, the powerful, that God has chosen. And so, so God gave me these verses, and I just had to keep reminding myself of these. I had to go through this process where I declared truths and, and where God showed to me that this was a lie and where he, he, through his loving kindness, gentleness, removed these things far from me. And then in doing that, we... we stabilize our minds. We remove the enemy's encampments, and then we guard our minds. We say that I don't want to let anything in that is not of the Lord. And we have to recognize that our minds, like I said, are I don't know if it's the most enjoyable thing to hear, but they're soft, spongy material, right? That they, they are receptive to all sorts of things. And so we have to realize it's not just about being a good Christian with what I watch on TV or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a good Christian with my WWJD brace that I'm not going to listen to this music. It's about how it affects us. We all know that with food, it affects us in different ways. We all know that with, uh, with our exercise, that can affect us. And yet, with what we take in, we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our minds. You know, I've had books that I'll go to read or listen to. And, and just as I'm a chapter in, I'm like, I don't want to sit with this for two weeks. I don't want to take this in for however long it's going to take me to read or listen to this book. It's just sitting with that darkness is not of the Lord. It's not something that's going to bless and bring out God's fruit in my life. And so we need to take every thought captive. We need to reject the lies of the world and the lies that we have told ourselves. We need to let God get down to the root of the issues. Allow to be, be vulnerable. Allow him to, to show and reveal those things to us. 
That's my prayer for us this week, that we would just be perceptive to those things. We would say, God, show me where I have allowed these things in. It might be, like I said, with a surface level thing, you know, it might be that we recognize the outcomes, you know, of the, of the trickle down process, the, of the, what's at the end of that rut. Or it might be that God reveals the hurt inside of us that, that he wants to pull out, but we just, we, that God would reveal those things to us, that we would cut them off and that he would then establish us, that we'd be transformed. And we need to then dig up those ruts of destructiveness and let God turn them into spiritual trenches of fruitfulness. And so let's press into the Lord tonight. Uh, kept it short. Let's have the worship team come back out and just call on God to reveal to us his heart. Reveal those things to us. He's a good, good father. It breaks his heart when we follow lies. It breaks his heart when we allow these things to, to have a place inside of us. And so his desire is to shine a light on them, to, um, to bring us comfort. You know, I, for my children, it, would, it breaks my heart when they, they walk around with these images of themselves. My kids are 12 and, not, uh, 12 and 11 and 8. And, and at those ages, you know, they're already having body issues and how people look at them. They're already having, coming home with these different ideas that I'm bad at this or I'm weak at that. Uh, and just wanting to see them as a father. I don't want to see them walk around with that. I want to see them walking around with with ostentatious attitudes of all that God can do in their lives, that he would move powerfully in them, that they have uh, an optimism for his goodness. And so let's pray that over ourselves. God, we want to be in you. We want to receive all of, all of your love. God, we don't want to allow these things to stay within us. At times, we allow them because we've become comfortable with them. There's almost an odd comfort in our anger or our anxiousness that if we don't worry, who will? God, we have to be willing to let these things go. And so I pray that you would allow us to, to release our grip, um, to not feel that we have to we have to be the ones who provide because of this thing that we have chosen to believe that we would release. We would let you take control. My God, that every lie that we, um, we've knowingly or unknowingly believed, my God, would be brought to light and would be removed. My God, that we would remove the dirt from around those ruts, that we expose it and are able to to pull it out. And so we come before you with vulnerability tonight. We come to before you with, uh, with a certainty that you are our good God who will deal with us well, who will care for us well, who will build us up. So show us where those things are that need to be taken captive, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our midweek revive service held Wednesday evenings. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.